0: to the front I need a mountain climbing gear to get on top of it so grab the mics um, and have a seat now watch this one So, um, so this is uh, Elle, this is Chris, just, just in case you, you weren't aware. <coughs> so, um, in going to the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, how important was it to maintain the connection that you had with various people back in Australia? Okay. Um, so, we were thinking a little bit about this
1: question and... Um We probably didn't maintain connection as much with people back home as we necessarily wanted to. um, But that was like a bit of a two-way street. We found that... um, I think there was, like, a lot of... uh you know, there's, like, time zones and there's, like, people's schedules and so it, it can actually be really hard. That's probably one of the things we found the most. It can actually be really hard to maintain, like, um, face-to-face connection, like, with Skype and whatever, so...
2: Just ask Pastor Gary about how many times yeah. I stuffed up the time zone. <laughs> yeah,
1: and so I I think we found that in terms of face-to-face connection, which is probably connection that we appreciated the most, I mean... It's it's great to send out a blog or whatever, but that's very much like we're sending stuff out and not necessarily receiving anything back. So, that face-to-face connection um, was really important, but I think it, what would you say, like the connection there was perhaps more important at that time?
2: Yeah, absolutely, because um, it's such an intense environment, mm. it's such a uh, incredible journey that you're on that when we got to, like, you know, connecting with someone back home, we'd always look at each other and we're like, what are we going to say? Because it's like, how do I encapsulate what happened in the last four weeks when, you know, maybe my life had been turned upside down or, you know, whatever? How am I actually going to be able to communicate that to this person in a way that they're actually going to understand? And um, so we actually found that very difficult to know what is it that we can share with people without it being so crazy or so, like, unfinished that it was... Yeah. Does that make sense? Does it, Do you understand? Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, so how did you continue to connect with others here in Australia? What were some of the ways that you did that?
2: So we did the one-on-one connection with um, a few people, called our folks, of course, sent them a few messages. Um, we... We were really passionate about staying connected with Pastor Gary as our connection to uh, Infuse, to this church, because we really love this church. We love what God's doing here. Um, and we were we connected with Liz. Liz kept us up to date with um, what was happening with God Chases, so um, that was incredible. And uh, our spiritual mum, Althea, we kept in contact with her as well. Um, and so we were really intentional about a few relationships to keep us going, um, and then the rest we kind of just had to play it by ear. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was like a Skype conversation or endless emails. Then we we moved to voice recordings. They're an amazing way to keep in contact with people if you're away. Just record your voice talking. It saves so much time typing away. Um, Yeah. So, we just discovered new ways to be able to connect with people. Um, And obviously, there was a lot of people who contacted via messenger and we always tried to respond. But then we did send out like a... A blog, but it was. It, I'm going to be honest. It was surprising how much response we didn't get from people from sending out a big blog, mm. an email to people because it's like um, they saw it and they're like, "Oh yeah, blah blah blah." When we got back, and we just didn't know who was reading it or who wasn't, or yeah. So we're just being really real here. Let's That's, cool. <laughs> good. That's what we do. Mm. We're real. So yeah. yeah. Cool.
0: Okay. So how did you connect in as new people? at the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry?
1: Yeah, so um, we... Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, so it's different to Beth... They do things different to Bethel Church. Uh, they really force you into community. So it's like you get allocated a church service that you have to attend. You get allocated into, like, a revival group, which is about 65 other students with a revival group pastor. So that's like a little church, I guess. And then you get allocated into a small group... Um, And these are the things you have to attend. So I guess unlike here, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to go to Connect Group if you don't want to. Um, So they were the ways that we maintained connection. You know, so there was like 1,400 students and that was the way that we were able to maintain connection. So we had like a a smaller group of 65 and then a really small group of like five people of the same sex. Um, And then a church service, so those were the ways, I guess, that we had different types of community and then um, we made relationships with people outside of school, so other students, like a couple of Australian families, that was really important. It's amazing how you really value yeah, your Before we left, I
2: would troll the page of the, the Facebook page and if I saw someone who was going there from Australia with a family, I would start connecting with them as much as possible. And those two families became a massive, they became our family while we were gone. Like two days after we arrived in the country, we're like, let's go buy a car in Sacramento with Brad, our friend from Queensland, who we had only met that day and we just left our children with his wife. We're like, you guys okay to stay here? Sure. Sacramento is a two and a half hour drive away, which meant it was at least a five hour round trip, plus time looking at cars. And we just left our children with them because we'd already established that relationship before we went and we knew that we could trust them because we'd been in constant contact with them. They became our community really, really quickly. And, I mean, obviously without being in that environment, it's hard, you know, being in everyday life. But we realised very, very quickly that that community was going to be really, really important to us. The people that were around us, that God had placed around us, were going to be super, super, like important and I don't know how many times I had to say to Cherie I've got no quarters can I come do my washing at your house because that's what it's about like that was that was real for us you know she's like you should have come more this year and done your washing I'm like yep I probably should have but I was too proud (laughs) to admit that I didn't have any money to pay to do washing so she um they became our family, and, and Tim and Julie as well, our friends from Victoria. Really quickly they became our family while we were gone.
0: Okay. Do you think that uh, without that help that you would have, have um, gotten as much out of your time in the school? How, how important were those relationships to you?
1: Yeah. Very important. I think probably one of the things we learnt the most was... Um, while we we're in Australia, it was actually very easy to be like too independent, you know, ind- independent. Like, we we self-sufficient. We we were fine. We you know yeah. Obviously, we had connections at church and home group, but in terms of, um, I think we realised that once we were out of this environment into another environment, and we like really needed community, we then realised how important community is and how it adds an extra depth to your life and that if you're someone who we were and still struggle with it, and I think it is like it's a Western Australian mindset, when you're trying to do life on your own, it's like you're living a less deep life, I guess.
2: So God took us on a massive humbling journey yeah. <laughs> of how to do community mm-hmm. and it was, it was really humbling. It was, oh, the, cars have, the brakes have gone on our car, we can't drive anywhere. We can't afford to buy the new part because we have no money. What are we going to do? Oh, we have to call someone from our revival group and say, "Can you take us to school this week?" We need to rely on our next door neighbor to take our kids to school because we don't. There's there's no way that we can get our kids to school. And these people became. We had to. Our next door neighbor who lived upstairs was a Mexican guy. If anyone knows any Mexicans, they can do anything, and he is amazing. And we had to be like, would you help us fix our car? Because we don't know how. We don't know what to do. We don't know what's wrong. Would you help us fix our car? And so God, like, lower and lower still. That's what God taught us. Lower and lower still when it comes to community. It's like, just ask. Just open up your heart. Just trust that those people around you aren't going to reject you and aren't going to be like, no, I can't help you. But they're going to be like, you know what, Uh, you know, with with Moises our neighbor it was like you know what I really have to go to work today which we totally respect he's like but I can probably help you tomorrow and so it's like we had to go days on end without our car because we respect what he needs but we live in community and God was showing us that it's okay those times in between he's going to He's going to sort them out for us. He's going to look after us. You know, random people picking us up with our kids for church and just being so happy to do that for us. So God really showed us that community is, like, super important.
0: The perception may be that uh, some may have is that when you went across to the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry that it was a fairly easy sort of run, that it was um, something that you didn't really have to try too hard. It was an environment that you came into and enjoyed. And there's there's an element of truth to that. But how difficult was it really?
1: Probably the hardest year of our life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, the school is amazing. The setup is amazing. But I just think um, if you want to live a life dependent on God, like, it can really hurt. It can really be hard. Um, one, of the, one of our third years, he was amazing. He said, "God kind of gets to this point where he like completely demolishes your boat." And then he says, "Oh, finally, you can walk on water now." Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if you want to live a supernatural life, that's a life dependent on him, a dependent on the Holy Spirit." And, and a life dependent on him is, can be hard to get to that point. Yeah.
2: Mm. and god um took us to a place where we were um away from everything that we knew Mm. everyone that we knew all the things that we had put around ourselves to make ourselves comfortable (laughs) and then he went okay now we can talk about some things now we can deal with some things Now we can let God... Now I can do some really deep, deep, deep work in you that I couldn't do because you were too self-sufficient. You were too caught up in life. You were too in the, you know, the day-to-day life of things and that I'm just going to tell you right now, that was not easy and there was a lot of time spent on the floor crying processing, working through stuff, allowing God to speak, Yeah, needing support from other people, that, that was what it was really like. Yeah.
0: In that time, what did you learn about God?
1: Uh, I think I learned that God's not as worried about things as we are.
2: So, I, I
1: learned that God doesn't really care about bank fees, exchange rates...
2: I learnt that God cares more about my marriage than he does about paying the rent on time.
0: Wow, yeah. 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 That's good.
1: Yeah, so we had this um, scenario where we were late on paying the rent and it was our wedding anniversary, I think it was our wedding anniversary and someone gave us some money so we could go out to dinner and we're like, oh, we can't pay our rent, how can we go out to dinner? It's like, because God's like, because I actually care more about your marriage because that's seeking the kingdom than about rent.
2: I learned that God doesn't care, care about my performance. He cares about my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does, God doesn't care about what I can do <laughs> and how I can perform for him or for other people or he cares about what's going on in here. That's good. He cares about where I'm at. He cares about my pain and my struggles. He cares about the life that I've lived up until now. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So the question, just so for the recording, is that um, why didn't you ask people here for help um, or reach out to help back here?
1: I think one of the things is, is it's just really hard. Like, it's when you're living a life where you're so dependent on yourself, it's, it's really hard to start really lowering yourself and asking help for other people. Like, we asked help from our um, parents... Um, and, and some other people, but I also think we felt that...
2: We learned that the, uh, the, uh, the journey of finances is... So, uh, at Bethel, there's a, a massive culture. There's a massive culture of declaration, there's a culture of um, uh, faith, there's a culture of all these kinds of things. And we, we learnt that Chris had a word one day from God that uh, basically he said, don't be surprised if you do every trick in the book and it doesn't work for you. (laughs) Because this is about a relationship. This is about living in relationship with the Father, not about what I can do to make God move, yeah? And so we learnt that it was about relationship. And so we said, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? And most of the time we got nothing. And so we had to trust that that was what God wanted us to do. It's
0: good. What did you learn about yourselves in this last time?
1: I think we learned that we have more faith than we thought. Yes. Uh, we we kind of made these declarations, if you want to call it that, like, oh, I don't think I can, like, go to the airport and go all the way to America if I haven't got everything sorted out. And we did anyway. <laughs> uh, it was always like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. And we did it anyway. And we're just like, wow, like, the things that I thought I couldn't do, and even if I didn't have faith for it at the time, or it's just amazing that God will meet you there when you, even if you do it with, it, with you think you don't have faith and you do it
2: anyway. Like, God's
1: like, yeah, you've got enough faith. Yeah. yeah.
2: And uh, I learned that about myself. <laughs> I learned that I'm really good at faking. <laughs> no, I learned that I had, I was living a life that was um, what I thought God wanted for me and how I thought God wanted me to live. But I realized that it actually isn't how God wants me to live. I learned that it's okay not to be okay that it's okay to say, I ain't got it all together Mm -hmm. and I absolutely do not have it all together. (laughs) I learnt that in community, I can get everything that I need. I can rely on people that I don't even know. You know, we, we get shoved in these small groups of five girls. You know, I had these five girls in my small group. And we were five very different (laughs) (laughs) girls. We had a French girl who was just so under the power of the Holy Spirit the whole time that she couldn't even talk. We had like my next door neighbour who was a South African girl. We had a girl who was struggling because she had a baby there and she was just like struggling to make it through. I Had this beautiful Spanish Mexican girl, you know, just like very different people, very, very different people. But I learned that I could go and I could be real with them and I could say things are not good right now. I am not good right now and I could lie on the floor and that they could minister to me and pray for me and that it didn't matter that I didn't really know them. I didn't really know their history. I didn't really know who they were, you know, but that they, could, they had something so powerful that they could give into my life because of Holy Spirit, because of our connection through the Father.
1: I think um, one of the things we really desire in life is to be loved unconditionally but I think if people don't know our conditions, then how can they love us through every condition? Yeah, yeah. And so wow. we need to be like, you wow. know what, this is me. Yeah, this is wow. where I'm at. Yeah. And then people can love me right there unconditionally. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah, we have to be honest about what we need. You know, I learned I have to be honest about what's going on. I have to be... I have to be real. I, um... Can I... Do we have time? Okay. So I... In our revival group, I, um... And I feel like this is really powerful for you guys because it was a, a big revelation for me but I feel like there's some people here who are probably in a similar situation. I went through a revival group. So every Monday we had revival group for like, what, two and a half, three hours or something ridiculous. And I'm telling you, some of those times are really intense but God was doing a really work, deep work in me. He was, he was sorting some stuff out really, really deep inside of me. So I spent most of revival group on the floor in a bolt, sometimes under the chairs, crying, processing, trying to deal with some stuff, trying to like work some stuff out. I went the whole year like this and often I left that room feeling super raw, like super raw and the pastor knew what I was going through and my intern who was like my mentor, she knew what I was going through but there, there was never that connection back to make sure that I was Okay. They never came to me and said, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I got to what, like about a month before school was ending and this one morning things blew up and all of a sudden everybody was doing what I did the whole year. And I'm like, oh, good, I'm not the only one. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And all of these people just had all this pain come up and all this stuff that they had to walk through and deal with and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden everybody was there. And they're like, let's get everyone in the middle and we just want to cover them and pray for them. And if you don't want to leave this room, you don't have to leave this room. And they were just like really going after making sure that those people were okay. (laughs) (laughs) Offence. So much offence came up in my heart. So much offence. I was like, what is this? I've done this all year. No one's come to me. No one said to me, "Are you okay? Is is everything all right? Are you going to be okay?" Nobody. And I was like, "What is this?" And I allowed it to just like process and I went to my revival group pastor and I said, "I was offended about what happened on Monday." And I explained to him this process and he looked at me, and he smiled, he said, "I'm of course, first of all, he said, I'm really sorry that you felt that way. That was not his intention at all. But what he said was, I'm really proud of you because finally you actually know what you need. <laughs> you actually realised what you needed. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. I realised in that moment that all year I needed someone to just come to me and say whatever, to hug me, to hold me, and everybody who's here is like, oh, I'll never want a hug. You know, that was what I needed and I, but I went the whole year without it when I could have had it because it was all there available for me and I think when we get in community, when we get in these places where we're like being real with each other, we have to be able to communicate what we need in that moment. We have to be able to say, you know what, I actually really need you and, and know that it's okay to say that I need something. It's okay to say that I need people to love me. It's okay to say that I need finances. It's okay for those things and to know that the people around us love us and that they wanted, they're just desperate to meet that need. They're just desperate to meet what it is That's that we cool. need.
0: Cool. It's been really uh, vulnerable for Chris and Elle to share with us this morning some of the things that they've been going through. And I know that it's their heart to, uh, to head off again for second year. Um, so what I would encourage you to do, if, if you've resonated or connected with Chris and Elle in any way, shape or form as a result of this morning, maybe just hearing a little bit of their story, you go and talk to them and say, how can I help you to do what you feel God is calling you to do in this next season? Can we just give... Uh, Chris and Earl, a great hand this morning. <clears throat> we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for him. If you want to just uh, gather around um, Chris and Earl, we're just going to pray for them because obviously when you make yourself vulnerable in this way that the enemy can get stirred up. And um, Let's believe for a release of finance and help and support in this next season for them. Father, we just thank you for Chris and Earl. We thank you, Lord for the call of God upon them. We ask you to minister release of finance, a release of friends around about them. We pray for everything that they need over Charlie and Declan, over themselves, Lord, over their marriage, over their finances, their bank account, over every aspect of their lives. We thank you for their vulnerability. We thank you that they've helped us to see the value of connection and how we can uh, do things to change the way that we live by their model, Lord. I, I pray a release of everything that they need supernaturally physically emotionally relationally financially in the mighty name of jesus today protect them from the attacks of the enemy lord god protect their health protect their marriage protect their kids father in jesus name thank you father and everyone said amen Amen. thanks guys give me a hand Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I thank you that it brings relief, it brings breakthrough, it brings restoration, it brings hope, it brings freedom in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, as I speak this word this morning, I pray that you would implant the things into the hearts of your people, that they would value what you say to them and the people around about them through connection. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I've got a short word I want to bring this morning. There's a bit of ringing um, that Aaron's going to sort out for me very shortly. Um, So I just uh, want to bring something to you about the power of a whisper. Connection. The power of a whisper. Some of the most powerful connections with people can come in the quietest of moments. It's not all the, the bells and whistles that create uh, that moment of power or the, uh, the connection that we need. It's in that moment of quietness, in the moment of a whisper, that God can bring our breakthrough. Uh, many years ago when I was walking the beat in, uh, in Rundle Mall, my partner and I got a call to go to one of the high-rise car parks uh, in uh, the CBD of Adelaide. We had a report that a woman had stepped over uh, a concrete barrier to stand on the outside of a very high ledge on uh, this car park area my partner and I went there we managed to talk the woman back onto the safe side of the barrier and she didn't jump praise God but it took a moment a briefest encounter and it was a quiet word in our shell like ears to say there's a woman up there that's just stepped over the the guardrail she needs help my partner and I were able to go and help and minister to her need at that moment there was a time when, uh, as a, a patrol officer working out of the Tea Tree Gully patrol base, we got a, a call from the ambulance service to go to a house. An RAF pilot failed his physical. His wife had just left him, and uh, he had just tried to commit suicide and failed at that as well. He uh, had a rifle in his lap. He was bleeding from a head wound, um, and uh, we got there because there was obviously concern about his mental state uh, in that moment. Uh, We managed to talk him down with the firearm in his hand, but it took a brief moment just to talk to him and to connect with him. There is a power in connection, and sometimes it comes not with a great big bullhorn, but with a small, still voice that can bring breakthrough in people's lives. This morning, I want to talk to you out of Kings, 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 8 to 18. And the story is, you've got Elijah, he's just had this massive victory over the prophets of Baal. There's just been showdown between God and the, the god Baal or whatever, and this massive showdowns happened, and, and God's won this great victory, and then uh, there's been these threats from King Ahab and Jezebel saying, we're going to get you, we're sick and tired of you, Elijah, we're going to do you in, you're not going to be a nothing, you're going to hunt you down until you're dead. And Elijah has feared for his life, and he's bolted. And uh, he's come to this point where ravens have fed him supernaturally. He's had this water supplied to him supernaturally. And he's gone on this journey into uh, the, the Mount, uh, a place called Mount Horeb uh, in, the, in this area. It's called the Mount of God. And uh, he's gone into this particular cave. And it's taken him 40 days and 40 nights to get there. But he finds himself in this cave. And the Lord says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. And Elijah replies in verse 10, he says, uh, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm only, the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. And then the Lord tells Elijah to come out of the cave and to stand on the mountain so that the presence of the Lord could pass by Elijah on the mountain. And there's this great big... Powerful wind, but God's not in the wind. There's a great big earthquake, but God's not in the earthquake. And there's this great big firestorm that sweeps past as well, but God's not in the firestorm. And then, after all of that's happened, God has spoken in a whisper to Elijah. And Elijah has heard the whisper. Elijah has heard the whisper, and it's only after Elijah has heard the whisper that he moves from inside the cave to the mouth of the cave. He didn't get called out. He didn't move when there was this great big wind. He didn't move when there was an earthquake. He didn't move when there was a great big firestorm. He only moved after he heard the whisper. The Lord then says to Elijah again, once he's come to the mouth of the cave, he says to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah has had exactly the same response to the Lord. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your orders and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord has then spoken to Elijah and given him encouragement and a clear vision for the next season of his life. And here's my question this morning out of this. Why didn't the Lord encourage and give clear vision to Elijah the first time that Elijah said to the Lord about all that was happening in his life? Why didn't the Lord encourage Elijah by saying that there were other prophets, they're not all dead, Elijah, you're not the only one that's left. Why didn't the Lord give clear vision to Elijah and tell him about anointing King Jehu and and about King Hazael and and anointing Elisha in that moment? Could it possibly be the reason that God didn't... uh, Talk to him about this encouragement and this clear vision for his life because Elijah couldn't have received that encouragement or that direction the first time because he needed something before he could actually receive the encouragement and the vision for his life. What he needed to hear was a whisper. What he needed to hear was a whisper. And some of you... This morning, that is also the cry of your heart. You need to hear the whisper. You need and are longing to and wanting to hear the whisper. Have you ever wondered what it was that the Lord whispered to Elijah in that moment that caused Elijah to trust God enough to come out to the mouth of the cave see Elijah didn't need to to uh, have a hurricane to blow his problems away he didn't need an earth-shattering uh, moment uh, under his under his in his life he, he didn't need the the fire to blow away the darkness and to provide light for him in that moment what Elijah needed was a whisper The presence of a person who was close enough so that he could hear that person speak profoundly into his very heart of hearts. He needed the proximity of a person, not the shout of a voice from heaven. What are you doing here, Elijah? You know in in the, the Australian vernacular in 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 it's the Australian parlance, the vocabulary that an Australian might use, that God's asked Elijah is, Are you okay, mate? Are you okay, mate? Are you alright? In some moments in life, have more resting on them than we actually sometimes realise. It's not every day that we meet someone hiding in a cave. It's not every day that we find someone who's running from their past and even doesn't want to venture out into their future because of everything that's going on around them. It's not every day that we discover someone going through life with something so powerful so, so so debilitating that they find themselves desperately alone and just needing someone around them. It's not every day that we find someone going through the dark night of their soul. It's the worst season of their lives. It's not every day that we find ourselves talking to someone on the other side Side of a wall who's about to jump off of a high building not every day that we find ourselves talking to someone who's got a weapon in their hands who just can't get anything right they can't even kill themselves it's not every day we find ourselves in those those occasions but when we do can I say when because there are sometimes there's no if about this there are people going through life around about us right now who are going through something so debilitating, so dark, so, so horrible, so devastating, so crisis-ridden in their life, all we've got to do is see them. All we've got to do is see them. They're there, they're there right now. They might be your neighbor, they might be the person down the street, they might be the shop assistant, they might be the person sitting next to you. And all they need to do is to hear a whisper. They just want to hear the whisper. They, want to need, they need to hear someone who's close to them, who's next to them, that the voice that speaks into their heart. See, sometimes there's more resting on the moment than just a cup of coffee. It might start with a cup of coffee, but there's just bigger than a cup of coffee, I've got to tell you. You thought you were just inviting someone out to, to say hello and, and catch up for a coffee, but there's more on this, this meeting than just a cup of coffee. Sometimes when we see someone, anyone, who looks out of sorts or they're like they're carrying a great weight or it just doesn't seem like that they are themselves. I believe that the Holy Spirit is prompting us in that moment. He's highlighting to us a person that he wants to start the the actual ministry of presence to that person. That we actually show up in the moment and we are there for them. We are engaged with our ears, with our heart, with our lips, with every sense that we can that we are making them the focus of the moment. It's not about what we want or who's paying for the coffee. It's about being in the moment and showing up with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just because a person goes to church doesn't mean to say that they aren't going through something that is so painful and stressful and challenging. Just because... A person is, is going through this pain and this stress and stuff like that that's going on. That they don't, They're not looking for another program. They're not looking for the latest book that you've read. They're wanting the whisper. They're wanting the whisper. Are you okay? Have you ever wondered what the Lord whispered to Elijah? See, here's, here's the truth of this, this passage. We're not actually told in Scripture what it was that God said to Elijah in that moment. And here's why. This is why I believe why. Because it's highly likely that we would use what God said to Elijah as a prescriptive text that we would use the next time that we sat down with someone. We would give them a glib, cliche out of the Bible that we think might help them in the moment. Now, it might, but I would strongly suggest that God's not asking you to give them a glib, off-the-cuff cliche in that moment. He wants you to hear from the Holy Spirit about what He wants to say to that person. And this is like like what we're saying today is that in community, we've got to be switched on to the person of the Holy Spirit, that He speaks to us (coughs) in that moment, and He gives them a rhema word, a word that they can walk on water on. A word that says to them, I'm listening to what you're saying, that God knows exactly what's going on in your world and he speaks to them in that moment. We had a great uh, VIP huddle this morning and Haley brought an incredible word out of uh, Romans chapter 8 verses uh, 26 to 27 where it says that you know the Holy Spirit will give us the things that we need to say. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to speak to that person. But you know what the Holy Spirit does. He knows exactly what that person needs in that moment. And that's what we need to be attentive to in, in the moment that we're talking to a person over a cup. It's all about the power of a whisper. We don't have to have all the answers, church. You don't have to have... All of the, the, the problems are for the world solved when you do this. All you need to do is to say, Holy Spirit, right now, what would you say to this person? And you know what? You don't need to say that out loud. You can just go, Did you catch that? You okay. This is, I'm, I'm speaking marriage 101 right now. Because some of you guys and girls think that you need, your partner needs to be a mind reader <laughs> okay, to actually understand communication between you. But unless you actually communicate and talk, yeah. like this, you know, what are the desires? Have you ever asked your, your wife or your husband, if you could do anything in life, what would you do? That's a dangerous question. <laughs> That's a really dangerous question that's another another message sometimes when we ask a person are you okay i want to tell you sometimes it's a test it's a test a test to determine if we hear the pain the hurt and the stress in a person's life it's a test to see if we will stick around long enough and close enough to be in the moment to start the ministry of presence that a person is seeking See, Elijah didn't give, you know, Elijah gave that answer to, to God, but God didn't give the encouragement and the clear vision for Elijah's life until he connected with Elijah in that very moment in the whisper. Sometimes it's a test. Sometimes people don't, oh, I'm fine, thanks. I'm good, mate. She's right. Now I've got every financial need covered. I don't need you to help me fix my brakes in Bethel sometimes it's a test do we have the courage to actually be vulnerable in the moment there is a greater power in vulnerability than there ever is in pride there is a greater ability that we actually when we are weak he is strong when we confess our weakness you know what sometimes I just don't know what to do you know what as a pastor of a church sometimes I have no clue yeah, I'm pr- a lot of people are glad to, to hear that this morning. I'm, wow, we've got a pastor who doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> well, like, welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. Because I've got to tell you, sometimes it's just on a wing and a prayer that we just follow, follow what, well, and knows where we feel the Holy Spirit's leading. Yeah. Uh, it's just sometimes, that's the truth of the matter this morning. Because I'd rather follow someone who's just tr- relying on God than anyone who thinks that they've got it all together and all the answers. Sometimes God leads us to people where there's a great deal resting on the connection. There's a great weight resting on the connection. Because it's in that moment of connection that someone is drawn out of their cave by the simple yet powerful whisper, are you okay? Psalm 34 verse 18 out of the Good News Bible says, The Lord is near to all those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all hope. The Lord is so close to each of each of us this morning that he will we we will hear his whisper today. And but not only will we hear his whisper, we'll recognize his voice. Jesus said that my sheep will know my voice and they'll follow me. We've got to understand that when we've heard the whisper, we'll be ready to hear the encouragement and the vision that God has placed before our lives. I want to tell you from this passage that God spoke to me about the vision for people in this church this morning. That there is a place that he wants to talk to you about. There is a power he wants to talk to you about. There is a people he wants to talk to you about. And there is a purpose that God wants to talk to you about. That's the, that's the vision that God has for you for your life. There is a place, a power, a people and a purpose that God is more interested in reaching out through you because you've heard the whisper, because you've heard what God says to you about that place, about that power, about those people and about that purpose. But that's next week. 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 15 to 18. Says this. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you come and to go to the, uh, the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram, and also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat from Abel Melhema uh, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu. Will put to death uh, any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. See, your destiny is greater than your history, and it starts with a whisper. David's mighty men started out by hiding in a cave. And you see that in 1 Samuel chapter 22. The destitute, the disillusion, the discontent, those in debt and those in distress. But these are the same men that became David's mighty men. And they became the warriors of Israel. They became great soldiers. They became heroes of the faith and put actual armies to flight. One man turned around an army that was coming against him. And all he was fighting for was a field of lentils. But it starts with a whisper in a cave. You might be saying this morning, I'm not sure I'm convinced on this whispering in a cave business. Well, talk to Lazarus about it. Talk to Lazarus. There was a great whisper in in that cave where Lazarus is dead. You don't think God can talk to you in a whisper in your cave? You think it's so far removed, you're so deep in this mountain that God can't get the message through? You won't be able to stop yourself from responding to the very whisper of the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you and He calls you to the mouth of the cave and He says, I've got this vision for your life. There's a, there's a place, there's a power, there's a people, and there's a purpose I'm calling you to. God is speaking to you. God is talking to you. But it starts with the power of a whisper. It starts with the power of a whisper. This morning, I feel to encourage you today, That if you feel like that you're in a cave, that there is a whisper that God wants to speak into your world. There is a voice. It's not about your end. It's about the new season that God wants to take you into and to lead you into in your future. Amen. Just before we come to a prayer ministry time, because I do want to pray for people this morning. I want to talk to the guys in the church this morning. I want to say this morning that I, for a number of months now, I've had this, this burden for the guys in the church. We, we started uh, a couple of months ago. I can't remember the date. But we had a social night at my place. It was just a, a Kelly pool night. We just gathered together. We had some laughs and some fun. It was great. And it was an open invitation to everyone, all the guys in the church. So if you weren't there, you didn't hear about it. I love you, but check your what's on flyer. There's this, this, I had this burden when I saw the guys together. And I felt compelled to actually start to organize a men's health night. Men's health night. So coming up on Friday the 23rd of August from 7.30 to 9.30 right here at the church, I've organized for a couple of speakers to come in and start to speak about men's health. Physical health, mental health, emotional health, the whole deal. I want to start a conversation with the guys in the church because I believe there's an absolute need. And you can ask Jane, this has been on my heart for months. Because I believe right now that I want to facilitate healing for the guys in the church. So have a quick look. Now, we're not actually going to do an Are You OK Day. But I, I'm trying to organise the speakers from Are You OK to come and talk to the guys in the church. Just watch this video. Thanks, Aaron.
3: A project that I started um, around looking to do something that inspired me and that was altruistic, something that could help other people.
0: Today is the day when we reach out to family and friends with a
2: simple question. Well, I'm an ambassador yes. for Are You Okay Day. I think you are too, aren't you? Yes.
0: yes. Dad named his idea Are You Okay Day, and I can remember the night he came home and told us about it.
2: I didn't think it was going to be as big as it has become, and now where I am, talking in front of you about Are You Okay Day.
3: My father took his own life in 1995 and it was devastating. So I've sort of cut off from everybody now. Um, In that time, if I hadn't spoken to anyone, it's only been someone in the shop to order something, get a paper or some bread or something like that. And uh, I've decided that tonight's the night that I'll finish my life. The idea of finding something that would honour that memory but was consistent with the kind of guy he was was important. We intentionally chose the strap line of R you okay Day being a conversation could change a life because it actually is the one thing that all of us can do to make a real difference. Getting connected, staying connected is the best thing any of us can do, both for ourselves and for anybody who may be at risk. That said, it's not just about those at risk. We want everybody in Australia, right across the spectrum of society, to just reach out to the people in their lives that they care about and essentially let them know that they do care by asking, are you okay?
1: Gav's never far away. I often think, what would Gav think about this? And I, I, I hope that he'd be happy with where we're going. He'd
3: be very happy. He would be very happy.
1: Every day we're hearing how people are having conversations that are changing lives. It's no longer a question for a single day
2: conversations are happening every day of the
1: year.
0: Every Australian, every
3: human has that gut feeling when they know that something's not right with their buddy and I think it's just about engaging
2: them, getting together, having a chat, having a beer, doing what you usually do. There are so many lonely people and often people who know them just don't give them a thought. When was the last time that you asked a mate or a colleague, are you okay? If it's been a while, it might be time you picked up the phone. Just that conversation,
3: that question changed my life. Are you
0: awake? I'm aiming this at the guys in the church, but I don't discount that that question needs to be asked by the ladies as well. Just as the team comes back up, yeah. I want to. This is this is the value of connection. This is the value of us as a church family engaging with the people in and around about us. This is the value of us being a family, of being in a connect group, of being alongside of brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the value of being a whisper for someone else. This morning... It's been a great morning, I've got to tell you. Um, I'm stoked. I think God's done some amazing things and He's about to do some amazing things as well. I want to make some time for people to receive some prayer this morning because I feel like that there's highly likely that people are in a dark place and you just need to hear a whisper. You just Need to hear a whisper. So we're going to make some time this morning for you to just connect with God. If you want to come out the front, come out the front and people can pray with you. Just be with you and offer that moment. And let's just engage with the Holy Spirit for a moment as he breathes into us the word of life, the whisper of life. Because we don't know really what people are going through who are sitting next to us, around us, in front of us or behind us. But you know what God does? And I think it's time for him to minister to people this morning. Amen. Let's stand for a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your presence this morning. I thank you that you're here. And that you know where people are at. You know what's going on in their world. You know what's happening in their family, and their finances, the things that are stressing them out. There may be stuff that, uh, not, they're just in a great season. Wow, we praise God, that's fantastic. Really uh, celebrate that. But maybe, just maybe. Just maybe there's some people who have questions there are people who have doubts, who have fears. And this is the place in the presence of God. And those questions, those fears, those doubts. They can be answered in a whisper. Heavenly Father, have your way. Have your way. Have your way, Holy Spirit. 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 Just open up your hands. Open up your mouths now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Welcome you, Holy Spirit. Begin to speak to people. Begin to encourage people. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the wisdom. We thank you for the whisper. We thank you, Lord, for the words. Lord, flooding into people's hearts and minds. Now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, breathe through this place. Let the breath of your presence come. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that we can be here and allow you to minister into our very souls this morning in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.